Hi, I'm Dubba, I'm the director of Music Tech Fest, and this is the MTF Podcast. Now, while I was in South by Southwest last week, I had the distinct pleasure of sitting down for an hour or so with Björn Alveus, well-known Swedish music tech investor, film producer, stage musical composer and musical director, guitarist, record producer, songwriter, and former member of the Hootenanny Singers. He also had another band with whom he won the Eurovision Song Contest and had, to put it mildly, some hit records. In fact, they were one of the top five biggest selling artists in the world ever. We talk music production gear, digital avatars, the downsides of fame, the role of technology and creativity, what it feels like to suddenly have complete artistic freedom, and Audly, an embedded app for end-to-end tracking of artist rights and songwriting splits. Such an honour to talk to one of the bees in ABBA. Let's start with a mic check. So, this is how I talk. Roughly, this is my... Level? Your level is of speaking. Okay? It's absolutely fine. Yeah. You shouldn't change it just for me. Oh, uh, people say I, I have a, a radio voice. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you miss your calling? <laughs> <laughs> I probably have, yes. Oh, fantastic. Okay, well, we can just start. Uh, Bjorn Alves, thank you so much for joining us on the MTF podcast. Pleasure. Um, first of all, of course, thank you so much for everything that you've done over the last however long it's been. It's, uh, it's just an incredible contribution. Thank you. Is there something about Sweden that makes what you did possible? Uh, no, I don't think so, because what we did was despite the fact that we came out of Sweden, because back then, in 1974, when we won the Eurovision Song Contest, nothing out of Sweden was ever listened to in the outside world. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd we, we actually sent you know, demo tapes to record companies in Britain, America, throw them in the, in, in the garbage bin. They didn't even listen. Wow. The only one we got back was um, Playboy Records wanted to <laughs> release a single. but So we won the Eurovision, and that's when the what they call the Swedish pop wonder started, really, because then people, you know, suddenly... Maybe it's not so bad coming out of Sweden. Mm-hmm. And and I think we started something with Swedish songwriters and producers, that uh, the, the feeling that it could be done. Mm-hmm. But, you, know, you see, before then, people didn't even think it was worth, you know, investing in. Right. Because it couldn't be done and no one would listen anyway. Sure. And then suddenly here we are and it's the... Other way around. Absolutely. Well, Sweden is uh, one of three net exporters of music in the world. Yeah. And per capita, the, it, the biggest. It's fabulous. Yeah. I, I love it. So you, you've actually set the groundwork for a, a real kind of burgeoning industry. Yeah, I don't want to boast, but but I think we did, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're quite entitled to. Yeah. Um, but what is it now about Sweden? I mean, I know that you've, you've kind of opened those doors, but there's something really special about Swedish pop songwriting, pop production. Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, kind of, it's internationally huge. What do you think makes that still possible? Um, it's, uh, to begin with, it's a small country with a small market, so it was always very clear, it's always very clear to everyone that you have to reach outside. Mm-hmm. And also we have a tradition of, long tradition of teaching English at school and, and Swedes, you know, you, 
the ordinary Swede you'd meet in the street would speak English. Mm. So that's a help. And um, what else is there? It just happens to be. It could have been Denmark. It could have been... But it is Sweden. And I, I, you know, as little as I know exactly why the ABBA songs are still being played, Mm. as little do I know about why Sweden is a net exporter of music. (laughs) It's very hard to explain. I don't think anyone can. Right. Um, I guess the way that the um, songwriting royalties are set up today, uh, you would be one of the biggest uh, beneficiaries of that, uh, particularly in Sweden. But uh, I get the sense that the system is kind of broken and that's something that you're trying to do now is trying to address that. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I'm, um, as a songwriter and an artist, I understand the problems today of artists and, and songwriters not being paid because the metadata at source is wrong which further down the line create conflicts and um, people don't pay out the money that they should be paying out not because they don't want to the spotify's and and what have you it's it's because they don't know exactly who to send it to because there's a conflict mm-hmm. uh, one of the writers feels that he should have 25 percent and the other writers feel he should have 20, and there's a conflict. Sure. <laughs> and, and when I was uh, introduced to the idea of Audley um, about four or five years ago, I, I, s- I saw the problem being solved by Audley, mm-hmm. which is you create the metadata at source during the creative process. That's when you can... You know, you have a session, you work together with someone for a day and at the end of the day you know exactly what the split should be between you. You don't even have to discuss that. But when a third guy comes in from Tokyo who puts something on, then you can decide within the uh, Audley app what the split should be and suddenly you have a decision and you have the truth about a song. Not... Not only the split, but you also have publish, you have writers, you have the name of it, you can put the lyric and everything in there. And which means that this doesn't have to be recreated a year later when the song finally is released, which is what's happening today. Sure. Phone calls, emails, who did what? Was he on was he in on that? Oh, I don't think so. Yes, I think he was. You know, that kind of trying to piece it together afterwards, which is so detrimental to... And and I know as a songwriter, uh, when we started, you know, getting paid, Benny and me, uh, so that we had artistic freedom and, and, and financial freedom, that's when we got better. That's when we could spend days and days and days honing our craft, as it were, you know, getting better at writing. And this is what I, with oddly, wish for today's songwriters. They shouldn't be in a hurry. They should get paid for what they do in time and quickly so that they can spend time on what they're best at, songwriting. And develop the craft over that time. And, and develop the craft, because it is a craft. It is a talent, of course, something perhaps you were born with. But above all, it is hard work. And it is a matter of getting rid of garbage, in a way. Mm. You know, Benny and I threw away probably 
97% or whatever we came up with because it wasn't good enough. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of songwriters who <laughs> want to go digging through that just for... But we never settled, you know, for, <laughs> sure. for half good uh-huh. uh, when we knew that, no, this is not quite where it should be. And, and I wish, you know, every songwriter that freedom, that space, that time to be able to do that and not release average stuff because he had someone breathing down his neck. Right, right. I wonder where that comes from. Can I ask, what did your parents do and how did that affect where you've ended up today? Uh, I come from a, a, a small town, population 25,000 perhaps, in mm. the south of Sweden. And my family was lower middle class, I think. My, my dad worked as a foreman on a paper mill. And my, my, my mum was my mum. She was at home. <laughs> so there was no music really in that home. Not a musical family? No, not really. My, my father played the mandolin and sang sometimes when he got drunk. But <laughs> other than that, very little music. So but I had a cousin who was very musical. He was one year older than me. Uh-huh. And he's the one who dragged me into playing guitar and starting bands and stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, was that encouraged? Uh, well, yes. They, they could see that I had a lot of fun and it didn't hurt my schoolwork. So, yes, they, they were supportive. Fantastic. If you hadn't, just curious, if you hadn't ended up doing this, what would you have become? I had plans because I... I had two uncles who were very, very successful in uh, the paper industry. Um, they were industry leaders. Right. So I looked up to them and I, I thought, I want to be like that. Music was never, you know, even thought of. I never thought of it. So I was to become a civil engineer. Right. Uh, um, and, and become like them, an industry leader. <laughs> Is that where your interest in technology comes from? Um. No, I, I think it comes from actually when we, I, I started recording and producing in the mid-60s. And pop music has always been driven by technology. So there was, I was sort of surrounded by technology in the studio and it changed and new things came on on, on the market and we always used to get the latest. You know, Benny had the first Mini Moog and, yeah. and, and stuff like that. The technology was part of what we were doing. It it was a natural, integral part of the music that we were creating. So that interest has has followed me ever since. Do you keep up or did you stop at a particular technology that you were happy with? No, I I think I kept up. Um, You know, we we had the first digital machines. We recorded the last ABBA album on on 3M digital machine. Um, and then afterwards, I'm kind of not 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 hands on, but but um, kind of know what's happening. Sure. What's your uh, tool of choice at the moment if you get into a studio? Well, it has to be a Pro Tool studio. Uh-huh. Uh, our sound engineer in Stockholm works with Pro Tools, and I think it's absolutely marvelous the way he handles it and how quickly everything is done uh, in comparison to to what it used to be Uh um so that that would be my my favorite and i'm i'm you know i'm not 
playing guitar that much these days, but Benny plays all kinds of keyboards and he's got everything, all, all the latest stuff. Right. Are you a gadget guy? Not really. No, I wish I'd saved a lot of the gadgets that I've, I bought over the years, but I haven't. They could be in a museum, um, but sadly it's all gone. I've heard word of uh, the idea of a, a tour of holograms. Uh, do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, it's not really holograms. It's, uh, it's the idea of creating a digital copy of yourself uh-huh. at a certain stage in life. And uh, with ABBA, the ladies, I think, were the ones who chose about 1979. Uh-huh. So um, heads from 1979 are now created of us. Um, but, and and it, it's it's partly animation, but mostly digital. Mm-hmm. So it will be like a library of face muscles. Um, and these digital copies can then sing whatever we like them to sing. Right. So we're taking them. We don't know whether it's going to be a tour or stationary permanent somewhere in in the world we haven't decided that yet but that it would be like an attraction a new thing um avatars digital copies singing the old songs with the old voices but with the faces from 79 and it will show an attraction a kind of different experience I, I i i can't quite describe it because it's it's you know technology where, where technology is right now right and uh, that's what what attracted us to it in the first place that it was so exciting and we were the first ones to do it amazing so almost like a kind of a living madame to swords no it's it, it'll be on screens uh-huh but with live musicians yeah uh, but what you see on the screens will be uh, Abba from 79 who will be able to interrelate with the audience in, in spooky ways. Right, wow. And you'll feel as though they're there. Uh-huh. Wow. I can't believe that nobody's termed uh, it avatars. <laughs> you can have that one. Well, they, they, lots of people have called them avatars, actually. Uh-huh. Okay, that's yeah. good. That's good to know. I'm not it's, the only one who thought of that. No. Um, now, Nick Kershaw once said that the downside of success is fame. Would you go along with that? Do you, do you think fame is something that has uh, uh, been a problem for you? Because, I mean, you are recognised absolutely everywhere you go, of course. And Not that bunch these days, but, but uh, it, it certainly used to be that way, yeah. No... I don't think so. I mean, we were based in Stockholm, which helped. Because uh-huh. in Stockholm, people wouldn't bother us. You know, we'd walk around the streets and everyone would know this is Agneta and Bjorn in the shopping, doing their shopping, yeah. you know. And he hasn't washed his hair. I didn't care. I, ju- I just decided it's not going to affect my life. Sure. I will live as I want to anyway. And it would have been different, I think, had we been based in New York or, or uh, London or, or some place like that. Right. But in, in Stockholm, it worked. 
people were so polite. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Do you still follow Eurovision? Uh, not, not that much. I, I maybe I will tune in and look at a few of, of the songs, but I don't. It's too many songs. <laughs> it's too long. <laughs> I cannot concentrate. I, I noticed that the uh, the Swedish entrant this year also wrote the British entrant. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I read about that too. That's that's amazing. Yeah, this yeah, guy good. knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hedging his bets a little bit. Yeah. What What was the the moment for you uh, that you realized that you could pretty much do whatever you wanted uh, as a career um, along the musical journey? You could sort of go off in any direction. Was there a point that you thought, "This is it. I'm. I have complete freedom of control." Yes. Yes. We, in one way, I felt that. You know, when we won the Eurovision Song Contest, I, I, I remember clearly waking up early the morning after thinking, my God, what has happened? I mean, today, literally overnight, we are known all over the world. And, and, and yesterday we were known in, the, in Sweden and maybe in Northern Europe, but that was all. Mm -hmm. So that, that was the first time it struck me. But then we had a tough time after winning because everyone kind of assumed that we were a one-hit wonder. And we were not supposed to be able to have a follow-up because they never do, do sure. they? <laughs> sure. And so we, we had a struggle with the singles that we released after Waterloo. Uh -huh. uh, but we came back with... SOS and Mamma Mia mm -hmm. in end of 75, I think, or so. So sometime in 76, both Benny and I felt, yeah, we have complete freedom and we can you let our imagination free and we can do anything. Um, and we want to develop, we want to be different from album to album and to make people feel that we make such an effort in developing uh -huh. and getting better at stuff and, and changing and never staying the same. Um, and that's how we, towards the end of the 70s, we started thinking, well, maybe we can expand. Maybe we can... Drama and music isn't a very interesting field we thought, yeah, we have to do that. So we did. And, uh, but it's, it's, it's all down, I would say, to that wonderful thing, copyright. Because we had the freedom. Mm -hmm. We didn't. There was no one telling us, you have to be ready by Friday. <laughs> you know, you had no, uh, these songs are too sad. You have to make, you have to write something upbeat. No one was telling us. Sure. Uh, nobody at all, wow. which which was a marvelous kind of artistic freedom to have, which I wish, you know, for any creator to have. You've you mentioned the drama side of things. Obviously, there are stage shows. There is yeah. now a couple of films. Yes. Have you thought about games? Have you done games? Is there a, a, a oh, next phase? We haven't done games yet. Uh, I guess we haven't come across the right. The, the right people who are in that field. We've never been uh, approached. Uh, but I'm not that? a stranger to that. I think it's a very interesting world, and I would like to 
kind of get into that too, definitely. Right. It's, a, it's a new avenue which we haven't explored yet. Fantastic. I, I think there's probably a lot of people listening to this that go, I've got just the idea. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah. yeah, maybe. So you're open to that. Yes, you're absolutely. On the record is that. Uh, what, are you optimistic about the role of technology in creativity? Do you think it's sort of opening up new opportunities for people to come up with new ideas, or do you think that people are, are using them as a kind of a, a shortcut? I, I, both, actually. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a shortcut in the way that it makes... Everything you do sounds so good from the word go. Sure. Imagine two guys in a cubicle with a stand-up piano and, and, and an acoustic guitar banging away, singing some kind of uh, gibberish, um, ang- Anglo, like English gibberish, uh, and not being very good singers. Uh-huh. For those guys to get excited over something... Well, there's only a good melody. Only a good melody can do that. Uh-huh. Whereas songwriters today can sort of play anything they do is already there and they can add strings and they can add everything and make even their voices, you know, sound good. Auto-tune. Which makes, I think, it's my theory, it makes you settle for less when it comes to the actual song. Mm-hmm. Because... It sounds good already, doesn't it? Right. You know? And do you think that uh, that stops people from pushing a little bit further? Yeah, exactly. Wow. I don't know if I'm right, but that's... I, I know for certain that the only way we could get a kick, Benny and I, was if we had written something really, really good. Mm-hmm. Because it sure as hell didn't sound good. One of the things that people observe about your songs is that, uh, on the one hand, obviously they're incredibly catchy pop songs, but also they're incredibly intricate and, and thoughtful and complex. Yeah. Um, to what extent is, is there a kind of a, is that the ABBA trick? Is that there, there, is, uh, there is the complexity hidden within this simplicity of melody? Always searching for that wonderful, simple melody. Uh-huh. That's what we did. But that wonderful, simple melody doesn't necessarily have only three chords. It can have more chords and, and, especially if you explore it in a studio, trying various styles and trying various ways of doing it, and above all, backing vocals, intricate backing vocals, uh, things that you couldn't write down as an arranger, but you can only try. You know, you're doing something, the girls would do something, and you'd say, no, try that instead, just that note there. And suddenly something happens. Right. And that's where the intricacy comes from, I think. Right. In harmony, particularly. In, in harmony, particularly. Right. Well, do you think, I mean, you've, you've had this incredible success as a pop band, and there have been a number of incredibly successful pop bands. Do you think there's still the opportunity for that to happen now? Is there a, is there a possibility for there to be a next ABBA? With a kind of 35, 40-year Absolutely, um, and, and career. huge success. Do you think that's it, possible? It, yeah, definitely. Of course it's possible. Where should we there look is, for it? There is someone out there as we speak, you know. It's just a matter of finding them and them finding us and them having 
the right circumstances to grow and, uh -huh. and to become something. Um, because we were, you know, completely organically born, if you want to. Uh, we were, I was in a band and I was supposed to be a civil engineer. Benny was in another man band. We met. We could just as easily not have met. Sure. And we found each other, started writing together. And then suddenly I meet this lady uh, who happens to be a singer. Just happens to be a very wonderful singer. And a few months after that, Benny happens to meet a lady also. And she happens to be a singer. This is all coincidence, all of it now. Oh. And as they were famous in their own right, the, the, uh, a group was never discussed for, you know, two or three years. We went on vacations together. We socialized. But we never talked about forming something together because they would go on their tours and we would go on ours and, you know, and so forth. <laughs> so... But during those vacations, we always brought guitars and we sang together. And we said, it sounds good. Uh -huh. Whose idea was it? <laughs> no, it was, we were getting bored of doing the stuff we were doing. This was in purely in Sweden, in mm. Swedish. And we wanted so badly to do pop songs in English. You know, more than anything, the, the Beatles had inspired us. And we were had, you know, to pay the rent, we had to do this stuff in Swedish instead. But, but we deep down, we wanted to do pop in English. So as an experiment, we said, why don't we go in and do a pop song together? Yeah. Uh, which was a song called People Need Love from 72. It was a minor, minor hit. And even then, we didn't start on a regular basis to work together. It wasn't until, I think, 73. That's when we started out as Agneta, Benny, Bjorn, and Annefried. Yeah. Um, we didn't have a name. Eventually, we had to decide on a name. I think it was in, in connection with the uh, Eurovision 1974, we kind of had to have a name because that, you know, all our first names, it was too long, too cumbersome to say for DJs. Sure, particularly English-speaking ones. Yes. And, and they, DJs had started calling us by our initials or our first name. So they started calling us ABBA. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, and, and we wanted to be cool have a cool name like the rolling stones or something like that uh but in the end we didn't have a choice because <laughs> everybody was they were calling us abba anyway yeah, wow. and it's a lousy name <laughs> but but you know but once you fill it with something it becomes you know different doesn't it's it taken on i, I mean meaning, even I the say. beatles is a is a terrible name yeah it's a shocking band name isn't it? <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, and now there's a museum with that band's name on it. I mean, that that must be a strange journey. Yeah, it, it was a strange journey. 
but uh, I, I, I was the one who, who worked with the content, and I did it because I felt I had to. They were building a museum, ABBA Museum in Stockholm, and they, the city wanted it, you know, and we said yes to it. But then I thought, what if that is crap? What if that is bad? Yeah. I'll have to live with it because it's going to be there for years and years and years. <laughs> so I got involved. And, and the way I handled it was that I looked at myself as, you know, kind of a historical figure. He was someone else. Uh -huh. I was telling his story. Right. So that, that way I became more detached. And, mm -hmm. and it's a fascinating story. It's, uh, it's interesting. Have you been there? I have, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. And one of the things that really strikes you about it is the distinct visual style that you always brought to the music. Music wasn't just something that you listened to for you. There was something that you watched. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was a, a real landmark thing that, that you guys did because, you know, sort of set the, the, the way for things like MTV and, and those sorts of things. Yeah. Where did the idea for having a, a, like a distinct look like that come from? Well, in the beginning we wanted to look as outrageous as possible doing the Eurovision Song Contest because we, the theory was that we would get noticed that way. Mm -hmm. and, and even if we ended up number seven, we'd have a certain impact because people would remember us. Sure. And that's why we chose the song as well, which was distinctly not Eurovision Song material, right. Waterloo. So that's where it started, and then then it went on from there. That we we thought it was fun, you know, to have these strange costumes and 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 changing them all the time, having diff, di different looks. Yeah, it became kind of a trademark. Um, but then again, I think that our contemporaries, most of them, did the same thing, didn't they? Mm. I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I... I don't know if to the same extent. No, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. I mean, for instance, I live in Umeå, and there's a guitars museum there, and hanging on the wall in Pride of Place, there is a star-shaped guitar oh, covered in silver glitter. With, they did for me, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, I mean, you, you look at a star-shaped guitar, and of course, all you think of is ABBA. <laughs> yes. And so there, that, that visual uh, connection, I think, is something that, that you did incredibly well. Yeah. Um, and... and I mean, do you see that still happening today? Do you, th do you think this... That's it's, it's difficult today, isn't it? Because nothing is outrageous anymore. It right. doesn't matter <laughs> what you wear. <laughs> you, so so it, it's, it's difficult. Right. But, but um, I mean, we had our costumes, but what we had also was two fantastic singers who happened to be stunningly beautiful at the yeah. same time i mean or, uh, i was talking about organic in in the beginning i mean all this just happened and it came together mm. and and that's the difficulty of something new happening you know all the ingredients have to be there and it has to coincide and they have to meet and make this whole uh which doesn't happen very often is there anything you wish you'd done differently? Uh, we could have... We didn't quite know what our identity was in 74. Were we 
a glam rock group pop group what, what what the hell we didn't know what we were and that made it kind of difficult afterwards to follow up oh and we chose the wrong songs it was only with sos and mama mia that it dawned on us yes we are a pop group pure and simple and i wish we had we we could have found that uh, out that earlier actually yeah it's nothing i regret but that it could have been had we been more clear-sighted we would have seen no we're not like them or, or them or them we're this we're a pop group with european roots that sounds like something you're incredibly proud of yes yes i am yeah yeah because uh, we were all four of us fed you know from early childhood we fed all kinds of music from all over europe uh, from the radio and elsewhere um which i don't think that uh, our english contemporaries or certainly not american contemporaries would have been right they they were not exposed to italian ballads when they grew up sure probably not not here in austin <laughs> <laughs> so what are you listening to now um i'm i'm i've just finished auditions in in london for mamma mia the party uh-huh. which will open uh, at the o2 in london on the 19th of september mm-hmm. and it's it's such fun it's it's a great a great thing i'm doing which uh, also born out of curiosity and wanting to experiment and seeing can i do that can can that happen uh i'm i'm those things are irresistible to me you know yeah. once i once i see a vision of something i just have to pursue it the the films like the museum i guess could have gone very badly and yes, it must be such yes. a relief, a relief that they're so great yeah, yeah yeah you're absolutely right i mean from the word go mamma mia the musical which will be 20 years in in april really? wow. in london and wow. yeah 20 years in april that's a career in itself <laughs> yes it is <laughs> but i mean from the word go that was an insane idea it could have been to- it could have gone so wrong sure i mean could you write a musical backwards uh, like that y- using existing songs oh no one had done that yeah okay we have to try uh, but i was ready to pull the plug anytime during that process mm-hmm. okay had i felt it was not good for for the group but it turned out it, it has been it has been really good for for abba as well and this way to branch out to try new territories is something i think that uh more groups than us could do but um maybe we don't have the urge to do or you know they don't want to do it but certainly the possibility is is there to branch out and try new territories with um a catalog of songs mm. that is so well known 
and it's also again set a template for how these things are done. You did that with with pop music in '73. You've done it with or '74, and uh, you've done it with stage musicals now as well. Other people are going through people's back catalogues and, and <laughs> yes, retrofitting yes. stories around. Yeah, them. Yes, yes, so. everyone's doing that. Yeah, uh, some some with less success, uh, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. What are you most looking forward to? Um, I'm looking forward to my next grandchild. Um, I will have her in June, and she will be my eighth. Wow. Um, and it's um, an extra bonus with her because it's my youngest daughter, her first child, and she and her husband has taken over um, a restaurant hotel complex that I built in my old hometown. Right, wow. And and they are the couple who runs that, which which makes me very proud. And and it's it's kind of a such a wonderful thing to be able to come back to your hometown and do something for it, mm. something that means something for that community. And and. To come down to a kind of local level and walk the the old streets of of Vestivik and feel <sighs> I'm I'm grounded here, especially when you are onto such incredibly global projects as 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 I am with, you know, Mamma Mia, the party will be rolled out in Berlin, Las Vegas, and all over the place. And, and the Avatar thing, ABBA, is also global. And and even Audley is, is global. Yeah, yeah. So that that thing of coming back to your roots and be, being able to enjoy that and being able to get something out of that is wonderful. And now you're a tech entrepreneur. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Was that expected? <laughs> no, I couldn't say. No, because <laughs> uh, the launch for that is here in Austin tomorrow. Um, what are you expecting? I'm expecting people in the music business to finally understand what it is that we're trying to do, and I'm so proud that we have Avid on board as as a partner and Universal, mm-hmm. um, showing the rest of the business that. This is it. This is the future. We have to go this route um, in order for our creative communities to create even more and better stuff because it's transparent, it's quicker and more accurate payments, stuff that is important to support the songwriter. As I was, uh, you know, explaining to you, Mm before it's 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 really really important to have that uh, at least some degree of security when you want to create something sure sure and i i guess that's something that you've arrived at yourself and and are ready to share with a lot of other people yeah fantastic beyond thanks so much for your time today thank you very much cheers the brilliant Björn Alves of ABBA and so much more. And that's the MTF podcast. If you enjoyed, and why wouldn't you, please send a link to someone, share it on Facebook or Twitter, or just say nice things about it to your friends. 
Lots more brilliant guests in the pipeline and MTF events coming up in Germany, Croatia, Scotland, Norway, Sweden, of course, and more to come. But in the meantime, you have a great week and we'll talk soon. Cheers. Thank you.